an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Bet the board. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't care. I don't. I never have and I never will. Yeah, right. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. You owe me 15 grand, pal. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's the Bet the Board podcast. God likes me. He really, really likes me. In the end, I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? Here's Payne Insider and Todd Furman. Welcome into the Bet the Board podcast, powered by betonline.ag. Hurricanes will not slow us down. Well, I guess technically they did, hence no Monday, National Football League podcast. But Payne, we're glad to have you back. I mean, there's a there was a very realistic chance that we were going to lose you to Mother Nature over the weekend. Fighting the elements, head on. I mean, the power grid fully back operational and functional, or have you bunkered yourself in trying to corner everything you can internet and cell phone service-wise to make sure that you're able to provide the best nuggets that we possibly can for a Bet the Board listener? <laughs> we'll see what we can do information-wise. It's been a uh, slow start this week uh, with everything going on. Had the generator over uh, going past couple days but no cell service no internet so it makes it just really frustrating but uh i I saw the tweet you sent out it was funny but has anyone actually seen that movie i i don't know i feel like our audience might skew a little bit younger so they might not be nearly as familiar with lieutenant dan trying to uh, brave the elements out there but the nice part about that the parallel we can create is the prosperity that that lieutenant Lieutenant Dan, dan that was lieutenant dan oh I thought that was something from that horrible Waterworld movie with Mel Gibson. All right, well, then I apparently botched the gift because that's supposed to be Lieutenant Dan (laughs) fighting the hurricane down there on the Gulf. And I thought that was nice foreshadowing. You know, if I'm the, uh, I mean, can we say retard on the podcast? I guess we will. Uh, No, no, you can't. Okay, I can't. So a slower like Forrest Gump, you can be Lieutenant Dan kind of giving the pep talks and the prosperity that goes to those two after they persevere through the hurricane because they're the only shrimping boat, you know, anywhere around the Gulf. The interesting part of last week was not only just prepping for the podcast, but it's like, am I going to get out of Dodge? Am I going to stick this out? There'll be a new update today. There'll be a new update tomorrow. There'll be an update an hour from now. 
And so I prepared like two different times to potentially leave. And both options were fantastic, right? I have a, a client that I've had for years says, hey, you know, just fly out to Dallas, put you up at the W, got Jerry Jones's box seats for the game Sunday night. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I'm going to do this. But then you're like, I'm going to be watching this football game in a box seat of Jerry Jones's and, you know, the family's over here braving it out through a hurricane. So I said, I'm not going to do that. Then last minute I said, I'm going to do this. So I was looking at all the flights were gone, by the way. I'm going to just charter a jet and get the hell out of here. Then I get out bid for a flight that sent me through the roof. So then I finally just said, hey, I'm going to going to stick this out here. We got very fortunate. Like power was out, cell service out, internet out. Maybe 40% of the people have it back right now. But all things considered, very fortunate that this uh, hurricane kept going west. You know, it put things it puts things in perspective. Uh, I have to imagine when you go through that type of situation. Obviously, out here in the desert, we're relatively fortunate where it's just triple degree heat. You don't have to deal with a lot of weather patterns. I know there are folks across the country dry, dry dealing, heat. Yeah, dealing with forest fires, uh, wildfires, and all of those things. So, as we always say, keep your gambling in perspective. Use it as a source of recreation and distraction uh, above all else. Uh, for those folks tuning in, listening to the Bet the Board podcast as part of the Outkick to Coverage Network, I uh, encourage you to subscribe to the pod, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can get the NFL versions, and we will resume our normal recording schedule, assuming there's no other Mother Nature events next week, uh, with Mondays and Thursdays for pro football. Wednesdays will continue to be our home for college football, and you can follow the podcast at Bet the Board Pod. We'll have Dave Mason with us a little bit later in the show pane to talk about how week two went. Uh, and some of the pros and professional positions uh, for this upcoming weekend. Uh, but before we move forward to the games on this week's agenda, want to give a quick synopsis and close the book on week two. I know you didn't see all of the biggest games, uh, but major takeaways that you saw from either the Ohio State-Oklahoma contest, you know, Jarrett Stidham's performance for Auburn against that Clemson defense, Georgia-Notre Dame, or uh, the Stanford-USC debacle. Uh, anything jump off the page of you that you think we can use going forward? <laughs> well, we joked about this, right? So when you're without uh, internet, uh, cell service, we did have the generator going, which allowed us to have the TV up, right? And so Saturday, we're looking forward to all the big games, and you start to kind of huddle around the TV at 7 o'clock, 7.30, when all the games are scheduled, and it's like, they're all local channels. So I'm getting nothing but hurricane coverage. Um, so and not the Miami the game, and not the Miami Hurricanes. No, <laughs> so I actually didn't get to see three of the four big games. I'll talk about the one I did see, which was Clemson Auburn. I'm not ready to jump to conclusions that Auburn's a bad football team. I thought they held their own, especially when you go to Memorial Stadium night game, led for a good portion of that game. And one thing you'll see with our power ratings this week, we didn't really drop Auburn too, too much, specifically because I think they have a little more to offer. Uh, Petaway was not 100% healthy. That was clear. And um, Yeah, you didn't have the services of Cameron Johnson out there to kind of have the thunder and Cameron Johnson was not there. The biggest thing here, though, is we talked about this last week a little bit. We weren't quite sure what Stidham was. My guys were saying, hey, Everyone's so high on Stidham. We're really not. They got to figure out how to unsuspend this white kid because I think he's the <laughs> better Sean, quarterback. Get Sean White out there. Get Sean so White if, back out there. If you can get Sean White, you can get Petaway and Johnson back healthy. I wouldn't be dropping them too far on your power rankings. I think it's incredible when you talk about where they are and they fall in at 15 and 17, I believe, respectively, in the popularity pools. A team that was maybe a little bit overvalued coming into the season, suddenly undervalued. 
And I wanted to get your take on one other team and not so much the X's and O's that we've seen on the field from Payne, but more general thought process. A team like Baylor. I mean, they go out there week one against Liberty, new coach and Matt Rule, adopting new systems. They lose outright as 35-point favorites. You figure, okay, maybe they're going to bounce back the following week against Texas San Antonio. Game gets absolutely buried with roadrunner money. You read some of the comments from uh, Jay Rude, one of the sportsbook directors out here in town at MGM, said he kept getting peppered with money line action uh, on the roadrunners, which why you're taking that much on a game like that is a just different discussion for a different day. Uh, but how do you handle a team that's looked absolutely anemic through its first two games? Do you overhaul the power number? Do you tweak? Do you modify? College football is so much different than the NFL in this regard. We'll say this. We were, we were higher on Baylor than most just because of the information we trusted that the talent was there. And we all knew Matt Rule was an absolutely fantastic head coach. We knew there was going to be a style adjustment because he wants to play physical a little bit slower and, and that talent isn't quite there. Not sure why things aren't meshing that early because I think, you know, at the end of the day, these are all college players and I get that they're built for certain systems, but you can mend them a little bit more at this level than you can once they become NFL players, I feel like. I don't know. Man, this would be the week to buy though. I mean, I'm, dude, I'm just blaming a new Solomon <laughs> this for, for all the, things. This would be the week to buy, I think. Um, I mean, this was a game pain that I made closer to a pick if this was a week one game between Baylor and Duke, yeah. and you now have a number that's plus 14, but just begs the question, is Baylor going to be this bad? Clearly, you could only look to buy. You can't short the stock any more than it's already going on right now. No, absolutely not. So, you know, just an interesting thought process. We talk all the time about not overreacting, but you also don't want to underreact uh, once you start to compile these data points for your college football power ratings, because teams can kind of fall off the cliff, and we've seen it year in, year out. Uh, certain teams, and I'm not saying Baylor is going to go into a UCF-type abyss, but where you have professional bettors who trust their numbers all season long. So the number may be off six or seven points, but the reality of it is if a team is that bad, one mistake is there, it continues to snowball, and things get worse and worse. But uh, from more of the conceptual stuff into the games themselves, and we may as well start with an early kickoff and a fascinating matchup with the UCLA Bruins traveling across the country to the Liberty Bowl to take on the Memphis Tigers, uh, you're looking at UCLA, a three-point favorite at betonline.ag right now. Total on this game, 71. And paying all the hype may be around Josh Rosen and what he's brought to the table amid that Herculean comeback week one against Texas A&M. Followed it up with an outstanding performance against Hawaii, albeit in limited action. And the Warriors don't provide the stiffest opposition defensively. But I want to talk about what UCLA is not doing well, and particularly their inability to stop opposing running attacks. That's where Memphis is going to have to execute here. They're going to have to be able to grind this game out, run it right down UCLA's throat, shorten it a little bit for their defense. Uh, that's going to be the key to this game. I will say this, though. When I look at this number, the market is is just so much more sophisticated uh, as we approach 2018, this line probably three, four years ago, before this massive market shift, you're probably able to buy Memphis to seven minus 20. Here. <laughs> um, the spot and situation is factored in the number. What we have to figure out is if it's factored enough, in my opinion, or, or if there's still some value. Um, for me, Memphis is going to have to get out early, I think, if they're going to have to, if they have a chance here. You, you alluded to this, the 9 a.m. body clock start on the East Coast for UCLA. First road game of the season. 
Uh, is Memphis really going to get the Bruins' full attention with Stanford on deck? Those are kind of the things you're going to want to ask yourself. In addition to being able to run the ball in UCLA, we know UCLA is pretty vulnerable with their offensive line. Does Memphis have enough talent on the defensive line to kind of cause some havoc and constantly get Rosen off his spots? Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things to this game. Well, and I think one of the, yeah one of the other issues that we talked about and we had it kind of circled last week when Memphis was scheduled to play Central Florida. Uh, This is a Tigers defense that's still extremely banged up at both the linebacking position and nose tackle. Not exactly a team that's going to be stout defensively to begin with, but that clearly puts you a little bit further behind the eight ball when you don't have your key cogs on that side of the ball against an offense that has the capabilities to hit you with the big play. There there were some guys that are out for the season, no doubt. There was another couple guys that were banged up and potentially going to fight through it for the UCF game or potentially miss that game. So the time off has helped there. They've had an extra week to recover. Um, 50,000 apparently going to be in attendance um, for this Memphis home crowd. It's on national TV. If you've done some reading, Memphis has labeled this the showcase game, and it's clear reading what the AD had to say and what Norville had to say. They've put some serious focus on this to move the program forward or continue to move the program forward. Uh, we know Norville. I'm not sure what he is as a head coach but he was an offensive coordinator and assistant head coach at Arizona State uh, from 2012 on. So Mora took the job at UCLA in 2012. There is some familiarity here. Norville at ASU went 2-2 two and two, uh, against Mora at UCLA. So there is some familiarity here. If you're looking at Memphis, I'd probably encourage you to look first half, right? Um, there could be an adjustment period potentially with four starters out on UCLA's defense. I'm looking at this now. Kenny Young, uh, Jaleel Wadud, uh, they're in the concussion protocol. Ardarius Pickett, he has a knee injury. Josh Wood suspended for the first half after a targeting call against Hawaii. UCLA isn't a program that's just plucking four or five star guys out of the sky. So when you're potentially down four starters on defense this week, that sent seven guys to the pros from last year's unit. I'm just not sure the depth is there. Um, so in addition to the body clock, uh, the look ahead, the first road game of the season. You have four guys that are potentially not playing on the defensive side of the ball. So those new guys getting acclimated in there, it might take them some time. Um, so if I were to bet Memphis, I'd be looking at the first half, but we know that number isn't isn't available yet. Yeah, not available right now. And you mentioned a lot of those things. A uh, showcase game for the program as a whole. I have to imagine a quarterback like Riley Ferguson, who most likely has aspirations to play at the next level, he's going to relish this opportunity to go head-to-head with Josh Rosen. And we see it all the time. And you have a team getting points in college football. And I know there's a bit of a class difference as far as the conference affiliation is concerned. But the team that can be more effective running the football, catching points, there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and when you look at Memphis's, albeit only one game against Louisiana Monroe and weather, I mean, they showed a two-headed monster there without Dorlin Dorsius, their top running back, even carrying the ball more than two times for seven yards. So, uh, what's What's the deal with Soso? Trying to figure something. Mean, Hasn't practiced yet this week. Yeah, I'm trying to get a report. That's on what that I was going to say. Tra- as the time of recording this, um, he has not gone. Yeah, tra- and I think that's a good lead-in, right? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, right? go ahead. I was, I was, uh, I was poking around, and like after about uh, 72 hours of no contact with the world, I was scrolling the internet, looking at mentions, looking at emails. Um, it, it was a good question. I think. I think it came from the right place. 
Um, the guy's name was Rick, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but I was paraphrasing. It was about the Iowa-Iowa State game last week. Uh, we said at the time it was like three. We're like, I'm not sure how if this number is going to last. Uh, got sent to two and a half, then back to three and a half. Rick decided to still take our, I guess, lean. It wasn't really a lean, but use our information, and then uh, he ends up cashing with Iowa State plus three and a half. But the question was more like, did you guys not talk – to other people to know that Iowa was going to be the sharp side. Uh, Iowa was hit by one group, one group that has significant influence in the market. Uh, a lot of folks actually use that influence in the market to, to go the opposite way. But I think to answer this, I, I think I talked to two people on the public side of the betting market. One of them is on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and so I think Iowa State was still the right side. I know it got a little hairy late, but uh, they were up, what, double digits at home, catching three and a half with about seven minutes to go in the fourth. So it was the right side. The biggest thing or takeaway for me is we record this podcast Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Vegas time. It takes skill. It takes talent to project where a market's going. Come Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, it doesn't take talent to tell me or to tell you where side's gone, right? We can all we can all read a betting screen. We can all see Iowa went from two and a half to, to soft three and a half some places. And and the people reporting that are just that reporters. Um so it actually takes skill on a Wednesday morning, six AM, to project potentially where market's going as to just kind of regurgitating information everyone can assess by looking at a betting screen. Well, well, and a lot of it too. I mean, we talk about it. Um, it's oftentimes it's groups with influence that can move the market. And if you don't agree, it can create a better number. So you just kind of want to get an indication of where things may be going. Uh, oftentimes you can have some uh, poor market entry. Uh, you know, we look at, you know, some of the halftime totals we'll bet in college, a lot different than the NFL. Some games will move five or six points in our favor. Some games like Auburn Clemson with the first half under, we didn't understand why it climbed to 28 and a half. You get a better number, and the game really doesn't sniff. So it's a much different market, and we try and convey that when it, we're talking about the NFL that we do uh, so well on Mondays and Thursdays versus college football. And I guess, Payne, it's it, perfect segue into a game that we're not quite sure what we're going to get from a team who's had their practice and their season interrupted by the hurricane. It will go on as scheduled in Gainesville uh, in one of the biggest games annually within the SEC East. Florida playing host to the Tennessee Volunteers. You're looking at Florida, a 5.5-point favorite at betonline.ag. Total on this game, 49.5 right now. Suspension-wise, by all accounts, Florida will be without Antonio Callaway. They'll be without Jordan Scarlett again. And I, I, I guess the bigger question for me, is Tennessee a good football team? I mean, you boat race Indiana State, congratulations. I'm not going to uh, call you the greatest thing since sliced bread. But they were dominated, and I mean dominated by Georgia Tech. Yes, they got the win, but they were outclassed for about 75-80% of that particular football game. So just to kind of touch on a couple things. And I know Clay is very critical of Butch Jones, but I will say this. They've won 17 out of the last 21 games. That's not bad. Only three teams better during that stretch. And the cupboard was absolutely bare when Butch got there. Uh, that said, you you nailed this right on the head. Tennessee has allowed an average of 660 yards their last four games against Power 5 schools. <laughs> uh, That's not good. That's not good no, by my math. No. Now... You know, we made mention in our SEC preview podcast about Bob Shoup's defense being too hard to grasp. Through two games, he's dumbed it down probably because of opponent, right? We, we know um, 
Tech had the, the Vols number early and forced them to be on the field 22 minutes in the first half. But if you kind of parse that game out, you know, you'll see a Tennessee defense that held Georgia Tech scoreless the final 13 minutes of the game and made the biggest play uh, in overtime. Uh, Indiana State is, is nothing to write home about, but if you see what they do offensively, A, it's a new scheme this year, but they run some gimmicky stuff with motions and shifts, and so Tennessee held them 0 for 11 on third down. So you can kind of find some small victories there, not just from Tennessee, but other teams as well throughout the course of the year, um, where a unit specifically on a team may have some underlying success that tips you off to some significant upwards or or maybe even downward trends moving forward. So I think that's one thing to look at. You nailed it with the suspensions for Florida, though. And one thing that I've heard throughout this entire process with those suspensions is it's really out of Florida's hands. It's coming down to the local police department. And because of Hurricane Irma, they haven't been able to do any investigating since last Wednesday. So it's really put this on hold. So it looks like Scarlett... Uh, Callaway are going to be suspended again and the other eight members for this game as well. So you're telling me the local police department doesn't work in conjunction with the football program <laughs> in Gainesville the same way it does in Tallahassee? Uh, that's funny. I mean, I had to take the jab when you left the uh, opportunity out there. I will say uh, one note on this game. I mean, I definitely had Florida circle, but that was under the assumption that these guys were going to be back. They need as many playmakers as they can in space. I think there are going to be ample opportunities to sell Tennessee stock until they fortify this defensive line. Uh, I remain skeptical of the offense, but uh, given some of that uncertainty, the schedule disruptions, I don't think this will be the week that I want to back Early in the week, the public dog. We'll see how that trends, too, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Right now, I'm looking at about over 70% of the tickets on Tennessee. And when it becomes a marquee game, as we saw last week, the only thing worse than a short road favorite in college football is being on that beloved public dog. Uh, But I won't put Florida's offense in the same class as USC in a kind of bounce back scenario. They did rename Felipe Franks the starter again for the second time. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) McElwain came out and said, no, no Zaire. They they just wanted to make sure that people realized that was the case. But, but funny, we mentioned USC who will follow up that resounding win against Stanford. One that saw them coast comfortably in the second half and hang north of 600 yards on the Cardinal a 16.5-point favorite in the Coliseum on Saturday night at betonline.ag. Total on this game, 67, where the Texas Longhorns come a-calling, and I'm sure the Texas Burnt Orange Nation will travel in full force, maybe something akin to what we saw with Georgia and the Sea of Red in South Bend, or I saw, you didn't see, Payne, uh, over the weekend. We look at this game, Payne, and for me, the first question I have is, what does Tom Herman want to do with his quarterback? He's been coy about, will it be the veteran Shane Bouchelle? Will it be Sam Ellinger, who was good, not great in the 56-0 win against San Jose State? But when I watched it, he's much more a prototypical fit, dual-threat kind of guy that Tom Herman looks for to lead his offense. This is going to eventually happen, whether it's this week or not. Uh, Shane Bouchelle's dealing with the shoulder injury. I think you have to go to Sam Ellinger at some point. Maybe this is the easy transition. Bouchelle's got the shoulder, doesn't look 100%, isn't the better guy leading up to this week. You hand the keys to Sam Ellinger, and if he shows out this week, then it's his job for the rest of the season. Either way, I don't think Tom Herman cares to answer that question now or or divulge that information. Uh, Again, I didn't get to see the game due to Herman, so you would know better. We did see Texas throw it 53 times against Maryland, just 29 times against San Jose State. Do we think that's just a byproduct of playing bully ball against an inferior opponent, or do we think this is going to be 
more of their identity moving forward. I think that's what they want to be their identity going forward. They were able to get Warren on track against the Spartans. We know San Jose State doesn't exactly provide the stiffest opposition in terms of run defense. And Texas was a little bit slower out of the gates. They eventually got things going. But when I watch Ellinger, I'm not going to say he's on the Greg Ward level just yet. But there are some of those elements there. Whereas you watch Texas against Maryland, you worried about their protection schemes. I mean, Bouchelle just couldn't get going. And I think you hit on an excellent point. Herman's, in my opinion, in this game is in a no-lose situation. You protect Bouchelle and say, you know what? He wasn't confident in practice this week. He's still nursing that shoulder injury. We're going to give him another week to heal. I put the kid out there. I'm a 17-point underdog in a game that nobody, and I mean nobody expects me to win because people are suddenly buying this USC stock that they couldn't sell fast enough last week going into the Stanford game. And as you said, if Ellinger's out there and he gets a close loss or he's great, you go, you know what? Uh, he's he's got the hot hand right now. I'm going to leave him out there. If he's miserable and Texas gets absolutely buried, well, we're going to go back to the veteran just in time for conference play. So I think, Herman, no reason to tip your hand to USC in terms of what they should be scheming for defensively. And when we look at USC, what they've done despite two wins to start the season and scoring 40-plus points, they gave up 5.5 yards per carry or 5.5 yards per carry to Western Michigan and 6.5 yards per carry to Stanford. Texas has to be licking their chops If their offensive line can get any push, they're able to play a little ball control and limit the amount of possessions that Sam Darnold and that very talented offense will have against a Longhorns defense, which is still trying to forge an identity. There's no doubt. That's how Texas is going to have to attack this game. Ground and pound, keep USC's offense off the field. And to me, it's this game is really interesting. I want to dig into this total a little bit more. I haven't had sufficient time. But when I'm looking at this, last week against Stanford, 44 rushes from backs and receivers for 305 yards, nearly seven yards per attempt against Stanford. So is USC going through a little bit of an identity shift when we talk about Sam Darnold? I think I know what you're going to look at. People are going to say 21 for 26, but he's struggling a little bit. He's got a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio through two weeks. Seven percent of his pass attempts have resulted in interception. It looks like you know, they have a two-headed system going at running back. The freshman Stephen Carr has really stepped up. He's going to be a nice additional option there. When you look, we've had question marks about what's outside for the USC offense. It looks like Dante Burnett stepped up a little bit, but where he's doing most of his dirt is in the slot. I'm looking at this right now, averaging 5.3 yards per route run in the slot. So, but still, the question marks remain outside for Sam Darnold. Does he have that deep threat? Does he have that go-to number one receiver? And so far, it doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, there's no Ju- there's no Juju Smith-Schuster out there right now for USC. Uh, and I think this is the kind of game where we told people, hey, don't sell your USC stock yet. You might want to short a little bit here with this aggressive number. Uh, a game that was 11 and a half. Uh, at some local sports books here in Nevada as we looked ahead before the resounding win for USC against Stanford on uh, a game that was widely available right around two touchdowns and game of the year lines throughout the course of the summer. So for Maybe th- Ellinger at 17 and a half gets, gets me a little nibble, gets me to the party yeah. as our local <laughs> listener. <laughs> I, I think it's worth a small investment yeah. for sure. Uh, Ellinger, plus, Ellinger at 17 and a half. I guess that's probably the only way that sees my money. I almost feel like we have to be abundantly clear and, you know, handle some of our listeners with kid gloves. Yes. Say, yeah. I, I want to, yeah. Since I, they I was going to save that, 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 that for we, the NFL podcast. All right, we'll save that for the NFL podcast. There will be a rant <laughs> yeah, for those. Only folks. one rant per podcast. Yeah. There'll be a rant there. So uh, like we said, I encourage you to tune into the NFL podcast for a rant. Uh, about some of the language that we choose to use on this podcast. Into the uh, last of the marquee games, Payne, uh, on Saturday night, Clemson and Louisville. 
When we look at this matchup at Papa John Stadium, we have seen some money come in on the Tigers. Right now, they're three-point favorites, trending towards 3.5 at betonline.ag. Total on this game, 56. Interesting trend regarding Dabo Sweeney and his tenure at Clemson. 13-7 and seven against the spread against rank, as an underdog against ranked teams. Only 4-9 and nine against the spread as a favorite matching up against ranked teams. What does that mean for this week? Absolutely nothing, but it's fun to throw out there. Anyways, Lamar Jackson, can he block for himself? Will he be able to put on a similar display to what we saw a year ago in Death Valley? But funny to think, Louisville went on the road for that game. They were two-point favorites. Clemson ultimately got a key stop late in the game. This year, Clemson installed as road favorites as Kelly Bryant takes his game away from Death Valley. And he was anything but dynamic against Auburn in that 14-6 win a week ago. That was a lot of stuff to unpack there, but in my you know, three days of not having internet or cell service. Is Papa John's now sponsoring this podcast? Uh, they are not, but I mean, that's where Louisville plays their home game. So for, okay, if anybody, hold on. At Louisville. Well, at Louisville. I mean, if anybody work. from Papa John's, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, or any other pizza joint wants to come on here, we're always open to new sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> I, I think we, we start where you kind of led us a little bit here. And I know what the numbers are going to say. Louisville's only given up two sacks in two games. It's extremely misleading because one of who they've played and two, if you've watched it, Jackson's been running for his life. Uh, And we know how good Clemson's defensive front is. One of the best in the nation. They had 11 sacks against Auburn. Just the 10th time since 2000, a defense has had 11 plus sacks in a game. So uh, when you start to focus on the help Around Jackson, I'm not sure it's there. 77 rush attempts all season for Louisville. 40 of them by Lamar Jackson. Now Jeremy <laughs> Smith is out. I just don't think it's going to work against a team like Clemson, specifically defense. There's going to need to be another element to this game. Um, well, true freshman at center. He's been getting absolutely whooped for Louisville. I The matchup isn't good. Now... This is going to be a situation where I don't where, where does this stop, right? Some spots open two and a half, we're out now out to three and a half. This feels like sharps and public on the same side. I don't know where there's going to be resistance. I would think right at some point there's going to be resistance. If you can lay two and a half, take back four and a half around that key number, it makes sense. I just don't know where that resistance is going to come. I think books are in a very difficult spot with this game for you mentioned. And of course we'll get Dave Mason's take to see what kind of betting trends are emerging there regarding professionals uh, and some of the public, their particular stances here. Uh, But I can definitely see a scenario where the professionals get ahead of it early. The public continues to lay through it. Maybe it falls in and around the number in some capacity, but you know, we're going to make a case for a lot of home dogs, especially in conference throughout the course of the season. This is one matchup-wise and stylistically speaking. I really want no part of Louisville. I know it's going to be an electric environment. We know what Louisville did to your beloved Florida State Seminoles a season ago um, on one of the biggest stages. But I think the defensive line of Clemson, that's going to travel. That's the matchup. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that unit is going to travel. We don't know what Clemson's offense is going to look like on the road. And so for me, I kind of looked at it. I wanted to make a case for the total initially. I don't think there's enough to try and get me there. But if you're Dabo, you have to go in, all right, I'm not going to let the young kid make mistakes. We're going to try and establish the ground game as effectively as we can. You know, keep it within the confines and trust our defense to kind of pin Lamar Jackson back. I will say Dabo, extremely complimentary through his press conferences. You know, it's a lot more fun to watch Lamar Jackson than it is to try and scheme defensively <laughs> to go against him. Uh, you have to love that candid, that candid response coming out of a head coach. No doubt about it. And I think you nailed it, though, when if there is a question mark about Clemson, it's going to be offensively. 
they basically bookend touchdowns to end the second quarter, to start the third quarter, and that was it. They didn't do anything else basically on any other drive. And there is a question mark about seven first-time starters, including your quarterback, Bryant, making its first road start. This has been a series that's been pretty closely contested since Louisville joined the ACC. They do have revenge on their mind. The last three meetings uh, have come down to a combined 15 total points. Dabo, it's so funny. If you can win the big game, it puts ease into the minds of your fans, right? So Dabo, like, no one remembers this, but like a handful of years ago, like, he was pretty much on the hot seat. Like, there are people calling for his head, like, he's got all this talent, he's not doing anything with it. Suddenly now he's 8-1 and one against top 15 opponents since October 2015, wins a national championship, and, and he's a savior. Um, the one thing that you're going to want to look at here, and I dug into this a little bit, Brent Venables. He is going to throw bodies in the middle of the field and force Jackson to beat him outside through the air. When you start to break down, and, and I, everyone, and why I'm saying this is because everyone through two games against shoddy defenses of Purdue and North Carolina are claiming that Lamar Jackson's now the greatest pocket passer since, you know, John Elway and Dan Marino. <laughs> when you look at what Brent Venables is going to do, he is going to force Jackson to beat him outside. When you look at Jackson's success the first two weeks, he's completing 74% of his passes for nearly 600 yards and five touchdowns between the hashes. He's just completing 43% past the line of scrimmage outside of the hashes. So that's going to be the key here. Can Jackson, you know, hit that big play? Can he focus on something that's not right in his sight line dead in the middle of the field? I'm definitely going to reserve judgment. I think you can't take away anything from the stat line that Lamar has put together um, as he looks to try and become the first two-time Heisman Trophy winner since Archie Griffin. Um, but you know, he hasn't played, as you mentioned, a a living, breathing defense. This is going to be a great test. And I think a game that should be a fascinating watch on an otherwise relatively bleak slate uh, of college football games. Louisville's top corner potentially out too. Yep, exactly. That's the last, that was the last thing I was going to add. Make sure you know the status of Jair Alexander, uh, going into the game. If he's not out there, that's not exactly a ideal scenario, uh, for Louisville in the secondary, because the secondary really has been its strength thus far. When we look at some of the other games, Payne, just kind of want to get your quick thoughts, not necessarily deep dives uh, on some of the intriguing Power 5 matchups. Uh, Kansas State against Vanderbilt. Kansas State goes on the road to Nashville. I mean, you're looking at Kansas State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite for this game at betonline.ag. Total here, 47. Uh, For me, two styles of play, two coaches that are going to play a little tighter to the vest. They know what they have. They need to rely on the run game. More intrigued probably by the total than I am aside. I do think Kansas State is the better football team. Uh, but three and a half, I'm not sure, intrigues me all that much. Yeah, I don't have a ton here, but like you would would agree that this is probably a little slower starting, although Kansas State's playing a touch faster. Um, I will say this, I did a little reading on this game, don't have a ton, but I saw a starting quote from, uh, Jesus criminy, I saw a quote from the starting center, uh, Adam Holtoff for Kansas State, where he said, Kansas State, we've circled this game on the calendar because Vandy is an SEC opponent, plus it's our last non-conference game, and we're going to use this to prepare for the Big 12 schedule. Our guys are excited to dominate a SEC opponent. So, interesting there. Usually you don't get a ton of hype for non-conference games. There's going to be some question marks here. Obviously, Kansas State, this is their first test. This isn't an FCS opponent. But I like what I hear from quotes like that. 
this number's taking a little money on Vandy, though, right? Was this I was looking for four and a half at some point this week in some spots. Yeah, and it looks like it may actually end up trending back there. I think you're going to see okay. public money coming in on the rank road favorite here. Not much of a home field advantage uh, as far as my numbers are concerned when we talk about games being played uh, in, in Nashville. Uh, Kansas State, definitely the better team on paper, not really going out on a limb there when you consider them being installed as a road favorite. Um, would not shock me in the least, honestly, Payne, if this is a game that Kansas State won by a field goal. Right. Um, much any like any updates or thoughts on on the coaching situation? I know you you had a great point on a preview podcast about the health. I have tried to poke around a little bit. You can't really take much away from uh, as you alluded to two games against inferior competition, absolutely boat racing. Uh, their opening opponent in Kansas State, following that up with a resounding win against Charlotte, which is maybe a half step uh, amongst FCS. Uh, but by all accounts, business as usual in Manhattan. I think you know we'll be able to pick up a lot more uh, and have a better indication of what we're getting from Kansas State. I will say battle-tested-wise, Vanderbilt's win in Murfreesboro against Middle Tennessee State where they absolutely held the Blue Raiders down defensively raised, you know, was impressive to me impressive. after watching Middle Tennessee State in greater detail uh, go up to Syracuse and pull off a road win you know, as a double-digit dog, ultimately with that number closing 7.5. Um, yeah, Vandy definitely the more, more battle-tested of the two. And this will be the interesting game, right, because you don't really have to prep a ton for FCS opponents. So when we talk about the cancer situation with Snyder, these are the games where it takes extra prep, a little extra focus. Does he have the juice? And, and that's the key for Kansas State because this isn't a team that's absolutely loaded with talent. It's it's all about scheme for Kansas State. Exactly. It's going out there, prepping and out and taking care of business, or protecting the football things that the Wildcats have done so well. Uh, other SEC game, a uh, showdown in the SEC West, a sneaky good game in my opinion. LSU, a seven-point road favorite right now as they'll head to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. The total at betonline.ag, 51.5. I guess this will be the first chance for Matt Canada to unveil this new-look LSU offense. I'm sure they'll open up the playbook. Uh, but you have to like what you've seen out of Mississippi State. Uh, not against elite competition, but when you go into rust and absolutely embarrass Louisiana Tech and you can put the Bulldogs in a third and 93, it's going to raise some eyebrows. This opens six. We're now at to seven. Leaking to some soft seven and a half some places. This feels like there's there's some work being done. Uh, Mississippi State has played very well at night, at home, against some of the big dogs. I'm not sure LSU's offense is explosive enough quite yet to be laying this big of a number on the highway uh, at night. I know they get Arden Key back for LSU's defense. That's huge. He's probably their best defender. The one question mark I have is the head coach, and you made a great point on this. Is he a very good head coach? And I, that's why I want to throw it back to you and your thoughts. When I'm looking at this game, though, the discipline doesn't seem to be there. Ten penalties against BYU, then ten first-half penalties against the Mocs. There's just a lot of question marks in these big games if Ed Orgeron is going to be able to scheme well enough when the talent is somewhat consistent. Now, Mississippi State, by no means, are, are they loaded with talent. But when you're not beating up on some dregs that have no talent at all, you, this is a slight step up talent-wise with Mississippi State. Well, you kind of know my take. I, I don't think Ket, Coach uh, Orgeron is a great X's and O's guy by any stretch. I, I think that rah-rah stuff oftentimes can only get you so far. The nice luxury he does have, if Canada is handling all the offensive play calling, we know what he's been able to do. We've seen Pitt's offense for two games struggle without him there, albeit a little bit of a change in talent. And when we look at them on the defensive side, Aranda, probably the best defensive quarter, if not you know, top three there. 
I think this is going to be a real interesting test. And as this number trends towards seven and a half, the only way for me to look would be towards Mississippi State. Uh, I will say this total pain at 51 and a half if LSU's offense is able to step up and take the next step. Um, maybe it's a little bit Do of a... Do we think they can? It's it's nice to say. Yeah, I mean... But have be... we seen it yet? And that's the other thing I want to find out because you hit it right on the head. You know, Ed Orgeron's come out for the last couple months saying, hey, when I was a full-time head coach, uh, my last go-around, I was too hands-on. I was, you know... Getting, getting my hands dirty too much. I'm going to let my coordinators really do their thing this year. Well, let's see. Now this is a big game. You're not going to be able to completely just mow down your opponent, and there's going to have to be a little scheme. Let's see if he does. Let's see if he lets Canada kind of unleash that new offense. It is definitely a mismatch at the quarterback position. I'm a big fan of Nick Fitzgerald and what kind of elements he brings. It'll be an electric environment in Starkville, and when we consider – uh, this series, despite how good LSU has been and how Mississippi State is kind of an afterthought within the SEC West, last three meetings decided by three points, two points, and five points. So it makes the full touchdown uh, extremely valuable. Should you want to try and make a case for a home dog, I'd imagine a side that sports books will be rooting for as well. Uh, and one last game, the nightcap, so to speak, and I'll call it, in my opinion, probably the sneakiest best game of the entire day. Uh, so encourage people to tune in. Stanford on the road at San Diego State. Of course, the Cardinal come in off of, uh, I don't want to call it a heartbreaking loss, but it has to be disheartening to say the least with so much being expected of their trip to the Coliseum. Nine and a half point road favorites right now at betonline.ag. Total here 46 as they take on the Aztecs. San Diego State goes on the road. Impressive in their win over Arizona State. Rashard Penny picking right up where Donnell Pumphrey left off. I almost like to think of these two teams' pain as mere images. Rocky Long, an outstanding head coach, especially by group of five standards. We know what David Shaw brings. You mentioned it earlier, UCLA, a look-ahead game to Stanford. Stanford may feel the same way about UCLA. Uh, what do we think we're going to get out of these two teams uh, in a very interesting in-state uh, non-conference matchup? That's the big thing I want to look at. I feel like I had that note somewhere last year that I want to pull back up. And we talked a little bit about Stanford being smarter um, and potentially in look-ahead spots, not letting or, or falling by the wayside in those those look-ahead spots. So I want to dig into that a little bit uh, before I make my final decision. It would appear, just looking at the market here, opens 7.5, opens 8.5 in that no-man's land. There could be some, some manipulation going on here to potentially get double digits. One thing we do know, both these teams want to run the ball. We're going to see a lot of running in this game, and both teams play pretty slow. So even with uh, us factoring in Stanford playing from behind virtually the entire USC game, they're still 69th in snaps per game. San Diego State, 96th in snaps per game. Uh, the Aztecs have ran the ball 95 times so far this season, only passed at 41. There's going to be a lot of running in this game. Uh, so that would probably make me lean a little bit to the under here. I know we're in kind of a you know dead man territory here. If we can get 47, maybe, or look first half once that opens up. When I look at this a little bit, hopefully what you're going to have to limit is the big play action passes off all the running. You're going to have to limit Bryce Love. Uh, he's been fantastic. He's been the home run hitter they really wanted. 75-yarder, uh, a 62-yard explosive play. He's averaging over 11 yards per rush attempt, and really his elusiveness has been great. I'm looking at this right now. In 14 of his 30 rush attempts this year, he's made a defender miss a tackle. So we know Rocky Long likes to play that aggressive defense. 
Will that lead to potentially some big plays to hinder this total? That'll be the question mark. If you can kind of just bottle in Bryce Love and not give up the big play when when these two teams are going to take their inevitable shot off of play action, this thing isn't going to sniff. No, and I think uh, when you try and explore a potential first-half angle, as you mentioned, would love to be able to get 24, not going to be available with where the mark currently sits uh, as we record it. You do have to worry about Stanford's mindset, and I think uh, as this number as it trends up, there may be an opportunity, um, especially at some of the recreational books, to maybe grab double digits as a chaser game late at night should people need to get themselves out of a hole. Uh, you've heard our opinions uh, on a lot of the big games, but it's time to get someone who works on the other side of the counter for what to look towards this weekend. We talk to him every Wednesday here on the Bet the Board podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dave Mason BOL, for some up-to-the-minute house liabilities and positions. Dave, we have to ask, first off, was there any major fallout hurricane-wise for you down in your lovely location? Um, you know, it, it was a challenging weekend. Uh, there was some, a little – it wreaked a little bit of havoc on servers and, and, and data centers and whatnot. So um, we appreciate all our players' patience. And it's weird because it didn't affect everybody, but it affected probably 5%, 10% of our, of our players – uh, had trouble logging in from time to time, and then, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just got to put things in perspective. Hey, I can't place a $25 bet. It's inconvenient, but, you know, people are <laughs> getting battered in South Florida, so that's the most important thing that everybody's safe there, um, including pain, of course. But, yeah, it was, it was a challenging weekend, but we made it through, and, and once again, we appreciate everyone's patience. You know, they're, they're, you know when I told people it was a hurricane, everybody was very uh, – understanding it's just can't you can't you can't beat mother nature right i mean that she she's gonna win all the time so what can you did, do did it change any of the overall betting handle or some of the week two results as far as college football expectations were concerned uh well i mean handle i mean handle was still great it was a <laughs> it was a record-setting weekend for us we took on more handle than any other week um in the history of the company so um, I'm sure it impacted a little bit because, you know, like I said, you know, five, five, probably about 5% of people, between 5 and 10% of people had a little bit of trouble logging on throughout the weekend. So I'm sure there were some bets there that didn't get placed. Um, who they bet on, who knows? You ask them and they all bet on, out on winners. But, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> always, always funny how that works. Right. Nobody ever yeah. misses a loser. They only miss a winner. Uh, exactly. So – no, I mean, our handle was still great. It was off the charts. It was our best weekend ever, despite Irma. Um, that just kind of tells, oh, my God, how much better it would have been. But Irma is a thing of the past here, um, you know, so it shouldn't, I guess, all the servers and data centers and everything, knock on wood, but the site's running 100% up to speed, so onward and upward. And, Dave, with those four big games we saw last Saturday night, Clemson taking on Auburn, Notre Dame taking on Georgia, you know, USC, Stanford, et cetera. Did you guys see any big decisions for the house or any things that were real disappointing that the public got the best of you? Um, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, Clemson was a big winner for the public um, over Auburn. Uh, what else? The Oklahoma-Ohio State game, that was pretty much a chop. We won big on the spread. However, we lost big on the money line. So, you know, everybody's taking that plus money and Oklahoma for Oklahoma, but the spread betters were on Ohio State. So that's kind of a chop-chop. Stanford-USC, that was without a doubt our best game of the day. 
that because uh, both money line and spread people were banging Stanford. So that was a huge one for the house. Whereas Georgia Notre Dame, that was the biggest winner for the public. So people were pounding Georgia spread and money line there. So overall, some other big winners for the public were UCLA, uh, Louisville, and for the house, Nebraska was big, Florida Atlantic was big, Pitt was big. So overall, it was a good weekend for the house. We, we did good in college football. Dave, when we talk about the public, what does it look like early in terms of week three action? Um, we, there's some big sides already. Uh, UCLA minus three. Versus Memphis, that's about 88% of the early bets are on the Bruins. Duke versus a struggling Baylor, 69% of the bets are on Duke. And the biggest game, of course, of the weekend, the game that's going to get the most action, Clemson is the public side. 69% of the bets are on Clemson. How about early sharp action this week? Well, two of those games. Um, the sharps are on the opposite side. Sharps are on Memphis versus UCLA. They bet them at plus three and a half. And plus three, that is now plus three, minus 118. Clemson, minus three, minus 110. That's now minus three, minus 120. Some other sharp stuff. Marshall, minus 14. That's minus 14 and a half now. Toledo, minus seven and a half, minus eight. That's now minus 10, plus 103. Virginia Tech got hit at minus 17 and a half, through minus 20. Um, that's just closed now because of the um, quarterback issues. So those are some of the uh, sharper sides. And, of course, a lot more sharp action to come as we get closer to the weekend. And, Dave, with so much upheaval at the top of the uh, popularity polls over the weekend, have we seen any noticeable changes in future odds or with the Heisman Trophy, maybe given Lamar Jackson's second straight outstanding effort uh, and Baker Mayfield doing what he does best on the biggest stage in college football at the shoe? Yeah, well, Lamar Jackson, I mean, his odds are dropping big. He was, I believe, plus 700 uh, before week one. Then that big week one performance, he plummeted down to plus 450, I believe. And then after last week, Line plus up. 275. And, and the betters, beginning of the season, you know, I, I found it very interesting that even though he's the reigning Heisman winner, and his odds were, you know, plus 700. Usually the reigning Heisman winners usually around 400, plus 400 or so. But we had him at plus 700. He's only taken on about the ninth most bets, I believe, right, right before kickoff of week one. And But people are piling on him now, man. So those odds are going down, especially after week one, people piled on him. And the, even this weekend, uh, after this weekend, they piled on him. But now the, the odds are just down to plus 275. So we'll see where we go from there. Baker Mayfield, yeah, he's plus 400 now. Sam Darnold's. He was the favorite preseason. He, I believe we had him at plus 400. He's plus 450 now. Um, yeah, Barkley, he's one of our biggest exposures. People were pounding him after week one, and we opened it pretty high. So he's he's down to plus 700. So that those are pretty much the biggest moves and the biggest exposures going on right now. Should be interesting to see that Heisman race continue to unfold with so many quarterbacks grabbing headlines in a lot of the biggest games. You mentioned Lamar. We'll either call him a contender or a pretender with his performance against Clemson this coming Saturday. And should folks want to be able to bet on Lamar, the Heisman, National Championship Futures, or any of the big games you just mentioned, what kind of promotions can our Bet the Board listeners expect this weekend at BOL? We have. If you do not have a betonline.ag account, head over to betonline.ag, sign up for an account, use promo code 75BTB on your first ever deposit, and you'll get a 75% welcome bonus. 
If you already have a betonline.ag account and you have not taken advantage of the bet the board reload bonus yet, use promo code 50BTB for a one-time 50% reload bonus. The maximum bonus on both of those offers is $1,000 worth of sportsbook free plays. All the terms and conditions, read those terms and conditions, are found at promotions.betonline.ag slash board. Dave, always great getting your perspective on the college football ranks. Of course, you'll be right back here with us on Thursday to talk a little NFL, public money, professional money, and all things in the National Football League. Have a good one, and uh, we'll catch up with you tomorrow, my friend. All right, fellas. Take care. Hey, and at least Dave kind of confirmed what we already thought. Some professional money on Clemson, the public backing the Tigers. Not the best scenario for the house to be in in a standalone primetime game on an otherwise lean slate. Going to be a lot of liability in that game, that's for sure. And I will say the the crowd gets up there. They come out and support. Going to have a nice home field advantage. We talked about seven first-time starters for Clemson, including their quarterback. I I just don't know if Louisville is very good. I, I, I mean, like I'm not taking the bait. Their, I'm like, not taking the bait. No, I, I don't. I don't like what they have on in the trenches on either side, offensive line or defensive line. Um, so that, that's going to be a home dog I pass on. And I will say one note that uh, I failed to include when we were talking about the game, going back to 2010, this is only the third time that Louisville will be a home underdog. They're two and one, uh, during that limited sample size, uh, more food for thought that'll have absolutely no relevance, uh, on the game itself from an investment standpoint, pain. I mean, we've kind of broken down some of the bigger matchups. Uh, we know hurricane prep has kind of slowed down some of the deep dives that we'd like to do, but Hey, that's the, uh, the, the lives we live. Do we have enough from an investment standpoint that we want to make a suggestion or should we, you know, take another 36, 48 hours, make our loyal listeners come back and uh, check out the blog post on Friday before we tell them how to get to the window for Saturday's action. Yeah, let's do that because there's a couple couple numbers I'm looking at here. Like, you know, first half market isn't open yet. So I want to see how, how far this UCLA line gets. Um, and I don't want to say first half and then the market gets absolutely obliterated. Um, and there's a couple totals that are going to be around key numbers that uh, we know key numbers are important. Uh, we talked about this on the NFL podcast all the time. You know, that Monday night football game, I know we took 21 and a half row in the week. Lance 21, uh, that game closed 20 and a half. So that all depends on the number. And so I know there's a lot of new listeners to this podcast. And many of you are recreational betters. But one thing we really try to do here is try to get that guy who's who's looking at this as a hobby. We're trying to make him break even. The guy who's breaking even, we want him to be profitable enough to where maybe he goes on that extra vacation. And if you are profitable better now, maybe this takes you to that next level where it becomes a second income. So key numbers are important. And I don't want to say, hey, take this game. All of a sudden, it's not a game we're playing because it, it's not on that key number. So I think the best, the best bet here is just waiting a little bit till Friday and, and then um, giving them the goods. Yeah, well, we'll share something then. I do want to add one nugget because I'm sure a lot of folks, uh, especially the college football enthusiasts, are going to look at the game Thursday night. Uh, Boise State, a home favorite on the Smurf turf against New Mexico. Uh, we've seen this number pain go from as high as 16.5 at betonline.ag down to 14.5. Looks to be very real money on the Lobos in this particular spot. Short week, Boise State off of a heartbreaking road game against Washington State. They've struggled to stop the option. New Mexico, they lost to their bitter rival. Uh, I'm not going to say this is one of the stronger bets, but when you're looking at it, 
Uh, I would say a, a very strong lean for me towards the underdog, especially over two touchdowns. I think this game can be a lot more competitive than people think if we assume that Montreal Cozart is going to be out there as the starting quarterback for Boise as well. Uh, something doesn't appear quite right for me in Bronco land early in the season. That was a tough loss last week to Washington State. It looked like they had rebounded a little bit. There were some question marks at quarterback. Weren't sure in the new direction they were going. And everything was looking great through three quarters. And then all of a sudden, oof. So I, I don't know if they can get off the deck uh, with that quick of a turnaround. Yeah, you blow a 31-10 lead. But just just a little uh, fun nugget there for folks that might, may want to try and go into the game with an informed opinion. The short opinion. prep, too, right? I mean, exactly. Facing for an option offense, offense. Uh, with basically what? That game was late Saturday. So you fly back home maybe Monday. May, so, I mean, you got two, three days prep max for this. Yeah, a little bit of a tough spot. So, you know, we throw those nuggets out there for you. We won't say it's the strongest investment of the week, but just factor that into the handicapping equation. Payne, glad to hear uh, things are well. I know you're putting the pieces of your life back together down there in South Florida. Uh, we were thrilled to get you on today. NFL podcast tomorrow. Uh, for those folks, subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes. That way you'll get all the updates. Follow Bet the Board Pod on Twitter. You can follow Payne at Payne Insider. You can follow me at Todd Furman. Shirts on the way. They should be available soon. Special thanks to everybody that signed up for our NFL contest. And like we said, check out our Bet the Board Top 10, available exclusively at OutkickTheCoverage.com. Strongest investment advice of the week will be available on the podcast blog. So check out the website, BetTheBoardPodcast.com. In the interim, best of luck, and hopefully we'll see you at the window. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know.